Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Indiana Daily Student Baseball Podcast, recording from beautiful Franklin Hall at Indiana University. My name is Stefan Kreischnik, and I am the golf and baseball beat reporter for the IDS, and I'm working along with Cameron Drummond, the social media editor for IDS, while also working the baseball and football beat. How are you doing, Cam? That was very good, Stefan. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> I played. That was my first time playing the role of, of the... I guess, what's the, what's the word you used to that? I don't know, the intro man. I mean, intro I'm, I'm still sitting in the power chair here at Franklin <laughs> Hall. I'm still the one controlling the boards and making sure that everyone's mic's on. But now we gave Stefan a little bit of power today and let him try and open the show. And he did a good job. I'm proud of you, man. We figured we'd let uh, let a better voice be the first one the Whoa, people hear. Okay, so that's the last <laughs> time you're going to do it then, too. Yeah, well, you guys, make sure to tune in next week to see how things are changing <laughs> around here. <laughs> All right, Cam. Well, another great weekend for IU baseball. Yes. They had a four-game series at... San Diego, uh, they won the first game on Friday, split the doubleheader, controversial game, the first game, IU losing that one, and then the second game they were able to win with a comeback in the ninth inning, and then a pretty dominant win there on Sunday, yep. so I guess what's your overall perception of how this weekend was? Well, I think the biggest thing that you take away from this weekend is going into this four-game series at San Diego, at San Diego, you could kind of divide the ability of IU starting pitching into two different categories. One would be the poly Milto division, and the other would be the non-poly Milto division. <laughs> it was kind of pretty stark and clear that poly Milto was IU's number one starter, most consistent starting pitcher entering the weekend, and everyone else, whoever it was, an Andrew Saul Frank, uh, a Timmy Heron, a Brian Hobby, whoever was so far behind. But this weekend, the roles were kind of reversed. The only loss that IU suffered came during Polly Milto's start, in which he allowed six runs, the first runs he's allowed this season. And the other three starting pitchers for IU did a phenomenal job getting through the early innings and not forcing IU's bullpen to become too taxed. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, starting pitchers finally, aside, I mean, aside from Milto who struggled this weekend, starting pitchers finally getting back into their form that we kind of expected heading into the season, which is big for the team. Um, you... You saw how Stever dominated. I wouldn't say dominated, but played well in that first game. He went five and two thirds, gave up four runs, three of them earned, got seven strikeouts and a walk. So he's control. He's controlling his pitches. He's not walking too many guys. And then Crisco came in after him and closed out the game. Went three and one third, gave up no runs, got three Ks and a save. So I mean, what'd you like that you saw from Stever in that first game? Well, I mean, th- we obviously know that Jonathan Stever was going to have a big role in the team this season. Chris Lamont announced him as the Friday night starter before the season. He had. Less than stellar Friday night outings to begin the season, the first two tournaments in South Carolina and in Florida. But this was the best team he's pitched against this season. I mean, you can maybe throw Oklahoma in that discussion too, but San Diego was definitely no slouch. And for him to start the series off on that strong tone was really important for IU to not not only not drop the opening game, but not already get into a hole for a four-game series with that doubleheader that was looming on Saturday in which Chris Lamonis had to throw in three or four or five guys out of the bullpen. Steve was able to give them enough quality innings to where you mentioned it was just Cade Crisco that had to come in and finish off the job. Yeah, and going to that first game, Stever had a 4 nothing lead before he even came out to pitch in the fourth inning. Right. So another thing that's for IU, I mean, in their first three innings, in the first three innings of a game this year, they're averaging over two runs in it, two runs in that, in that span of three innings. So, I mean, they're getting out to early leads, and that offense is just firing on all cylinders right now. What did you like that you saw from the offense? Yeah, I mean, whether IU's winning or losing games, the kind of constant has been the fact that the Hoosiers are getting on the board early in games and at least giving their starting pitching the opportunity to capitalize and maintain leads as the game progresses. Uh, We've seen some 
hot starts. We talked about Logan Kalitha in the opening couple of weekends of the season. He's kind of cooled off in terms of the hits department, but the regulars, junior catcher Ryan Feynman, junior utility guy Matt Lloyd, the cream is rising to the crop in terms of IU's big name, big time batter stepping up and delivering both RBIs and timely hits. Yeah, you say cream rising to the crop. You could say the cream rising to the crimson, maybe. Okay, yeah, we're done. We're <laughs> get, not some school, you speak get some school spirit into there. <laughs> forever on the rest of this podcast. Now you mentioned Kalitha, and I, I think I've made it pretty clear clear that I'm a big Logan Kalitha fan. Huge I think Logan Kalitha guy. Huge here. Logan Kalitha guy. I think what he has done for the team this year has been outstanding. I think everything goes through him right now for the lineup. I mean, he's he's getting RBIs, he's hitting home runs, he's getting on base, he's got. Nine hit by pitches this year, which is outstanding. Because I was watching, I was watching the games this weekend, and he does not, he does not, you know, stand on top of the plate. He's pretty far off, so I really don't know why he's getting hit by so many pitches. I don't know if leads the Big Ten I conference and hit by. I mean, there's hasn't been any conference games yet, but yeah. of all Big Ten batters, he leads the conference and hit by pitches. Yeah, I don't know if the NCAA is out to get Khalid or what's going on <laughs> there, but he's just doing an outstanding job for the team, just kind of getting things going, especially from that leadoff role. But kind of switching gears over now back to the bullpen. Another great weekend for the bullpen. Um, they picked up picked up a couple saves this weekend, and we saw Lloyd get some time. We saw um, Eaton get some time. Kruger came in. Sable had a escaped a big jam in that third game, the right. second of the doubleheader, which gave the team the opportunity to come back in the ninth. So, I mean, with the starting pitching struggling early on in the year, the bullpen has been huge for them. What what have you seen that you like? Right. I mean, this is a depth question, right? I mean, you talk about places uh, where this IU team is deep. I mean, seemingly it's almost all over the place, but depth especially is evident in the bullpen because you have just so many options you can go to, whether it's freshmen, juniors, sophomores, seniors, whoever it is. Chris Lamont is able to call on either guys who have experience and have been in this situation before or even some of the freshmen, like you mentioned, a Nick Eaton type, or even a Tommy Summer who picked up a start this weekend, coming in and being able to deliver quality innings no matter what their level of experience has been for the team so far. And also we talked about the offense, like, you know, having comfortable leads like they did for at least two of the games this weekend. And even in the tight games, IU doesn't seem phased by different scenarios. They had a real mature presence on the mound to start the season. Yeah, in the second game where Milto struggled a little bit, we saw Saul Frank and my region guy Manis come in and combine for three and a third, and noted, they gave up no noted runs. Region rat Connor noted Manis. region. I think we're going to note that every time we mention him <laughs> in here. But uh, let's talk about that that doubleheader a little bit. Two very exciting games. The first one, both were decided with the final score of six to five. First one going yes. San Diego's way. Second one going Indiana's way. Um, the first game ended on a little bit of controversy. At least I thought it was a controversy. I, th you don't, I think you don't the think majority. I think a lot of people thought it was controversial. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that was probably Milto's start. Again, we were kind of expecting a really dominating performance from him. Didn't quite pan out as well. He allowed three runs in both the first inning and the fifth inning. So, at its greatest deficit, IU was down 6-1 to one in the game. But then they began a late-inning comeback. You had an RBI single by Eliza Dunham in the sixth. Solo home run from Luke Miller, who continues to just mash the ball on offense in the eighth. And that brought up the scenario in which IU was down three runs entering their half of the ninth inning. They get the bases loaded. Ironically, as we just mentioned, on Logan Kalitha hit by pitch with two outs. A two-run double from Matt Lloyd scores the first two runners. Kalitha's trying to score all the way from first to tie the game in the top of the ninth, but he is sniped, thrown out by the center fielder. It was a real bang-bang call. I saw a lot of people on Twitter upset about it, thinking that Kalitha was safe. Watching it live and watching a couple of the replays after, I personally thought he was out by just half a step. 
real tight call, but I thought, you know, the umpire, home plate umpire didn't have any hesitation, called him out straight away. But I guess you have, you know, a different opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, from what I saw, I, I feel like his leg got in there before he was tagged. But, I mean, you know, it's not an ESPN broadcast or Fox right. Sport broadcast. We got a million angles. I mean, I saw it from behind home plate. The, obviously the, the umpire, umpire San Diego feed that was showing yeah, the game. Yeah, so which which have... they I think they did a great job. It was, it was a great really feed, good, yeah. yeah. But um I mean I didn't have the view that the umpire had, so I mean I'll I'll respect the umpire's call. Right. I'm a little league umpire myself. I know what it's wow. like. Okay, so I know have, what it's like to be in this. So we position. have some expertise here from <laughs> Little League umpire Stefan Kreisner. Yes, I'm certified. Catch me this summer at Dire Little League again. <laughs> but and then, you know, I I felt that even though IU lost that first game of the doubleheader. Uh, coming back in the ninth inning there, even if even if they did end up losing, I thought that was that was a huge key going into Game Three because IU was down, they were down five four going into the ninth inning of Game Two, and I I kind of felt confident that they'd be able to at least you know make it close, make it interesting because of what they had done in the first game. So definitely you know despite losing that first game, it's important in the second one, and I want to note that or what I mentioned earlier with Sable escaping the jam in the eighth, he had a I think it was a first and second situation with less than two outs there in the eighth inning. And, I mean, San Diego could have scored a couple of runs and basically put IU out of it. But he was able to escape the inning, and he ended up getting being the winning pitcher that game. Kruger came in the ninth and got the save. So, overall, as, you know, even after losing that first game of the doubleheader, they, they can be happy with how Saturday went. And then, obviously, Friday and Sunday getting the wins. But now they come home. They got ten home games here in Bloomington at Bart Kaufman Field. Uh, the game was originally scheduled. The opening game was scheduled for Wednesday against Cincinnati. Cincinnati that got moved to Tuesday because of weather issues. Because of course, when baseball starts, that's when we decide that's to. When the, that's when the snow comes. That's when the snow comes in Bloomington. So I guess you know a good stretch. No, no teams ranked um, inside the top 100 here for these next 10 home games. Bad so, teams. I was gonna be playing. There's 10 consecutive home games to start the home stretch of the season for IU. They're all bad teams. Yeah. They're so this this is a very good opportunity for IU to go from nine and two to, I mean, what do you want? Do you want to say nineteen and two? two? Do you um, want to say nineteen and two? It's baseball, so it's very difficult to win ten games in a row. That being said, we just saw this IU team pull off seven straight wins before the the loss in the first part of the doubleheader to San Diego on Saturday. You look at the opponents though. So Tuesday afternoon's game is going to be a three p.m. first pitch. They'll be playing Cincinnati. Then at the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they got three games against Pacific, and then going into what will be our spring break. We'll still be bringing you updates, of course, though. We have two game, a two-gamer against Western Illinois, a three-gamer against Northern Illinois, and then one sole game against Wright State. There's really not a good reason to lose any of those games unless you just have a guy who's on the mound who has an off day or one of the pitchers from the opposing team just has a dominant day on the mound and lights you up. Like, across the board, is going to have significantly better talent than Cincy, Pacific, Western, Northern, and Wright State. So ten wins in a row is real difficult, but I think eight and two, nine and one, maybe even seven and three if now could be a stretch. But this should be games that IU feasts upon the opponent and really an opportunity for Lamonis to give younger guys a chance. We're talking about some guys who maybe haven't pitched as much as they would have maybe liked to start their collegiate careers. This is a prime opportunity, and especially now that the third and the third starter position and the midweek starter position is kind of still up in the air beyond just Stever and Milto. This is the time where Chris Lamonis can go and give guys opportunities to try and solidify their spots in that before the tougher non-conference games and then Big Ten conference games begin. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a stretch where I, I wouldn't be surprised if the team did go 10-0. I'll say 9-1 and and go on a conservative side just so I say I didn't jinx them from going 10-0. But the game coming up tomorrow against Cincinnati, I mean, I doubt we'll see Steber or Milto going out there. And right. who was – it was – Trying to see here who started who started the last game. So we had Steve, you had Milta, you had Tommy Summer, and then Bo Camp. You had yep. Bo Camp start Camp the last game. Totally had a come in. brain fart right there. But I think, I mean, you could see maybe Saul Frank yeah, starting I mean, on starting I tomorrow. Mean, I mean, you have kind of not the cast of regulars, but guys have already got an opportunity to start the season. Andrew Saul Frank, Brian Hobby, Tim Heron. Or, you know, Chris Muntz can go the route and give it to a younger guy. You know, Nick Eaton's there, hasn't been used a whole lot. If you want Connor Maness to come in and pitch a little bit. Noted region rant. Yeah, we're going to mention that again. <laughs> uh, you, I mean, you're obviously not going to be throwing in a guy there like Matt Lloyd, who's, you know, your shut-it-down guy, or Cal mm-hmm. Kruger, who's almost the secondary closer, the setup man to get to Lloyd in an ideal world. But there's three or four guys that could get the opportunity to, to pitch in this sequence, uh, and even just tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, and now we can transition to our first segment, a uh, hot take, hot corner segment. First segment, okay. First segment. Well, um, I'll get, I'll present my hot take, and then you can present yours if you have one. Right. But after seeing what's going on early this year with Stever and Milto, kind of definitely being those Friday Saturday guys, I wouldn't be surprised if Lamonis, uh, at some point in the season, decided to make that Sunday game a quote unquote bullpen game where he comes in and he throws out, mm-hmm. you know, his starter and expects maybe two, three, four innings from the starter, and then kind of banks on the bullpen coming in after that. So not even like a real, like, I mean, you're obviously going to have a pitcher out there to start the yeah, game, but yeah. the intention wouldn't be for him to go five, six innings. You'd be looking for maybe a cast of characters to come in and pitch two or three innings each and do it by committee. Yeah, and definitely when you get to those Big Ten games, if IU has a big game, they might, you know, they might, knowing that they can't send out Steve or Milto, they might just say, all right, he, he's our starter. We're expecting three to four innings from him. And then from there, we're going to get the bullpen. Because having Milto on Saturdays, you know, if he can dominate and do what he's usually been doing, I mean, that's a chance that you only use Milto and, you know, one other bullpen guy in that game on Saturday, which leaves you a lot of options on Sundays. So if it, is, if it does come down to that, I don't think it's a bad idea for Lamonis to go ahead and do that. Yeah, because doing things by committee, when it's whether it's running back by committee in football or, you know, <laughs> bullpen by committee in baseball, that always ends well. Yeah, well... <laughs> It's an idea. It's an idea. It's a hot take. No, give, you know, it's a hot take. It's a hot it's take. A hot no take. one's no one's really claimed that third starter role. Right. And I mean, it's still early in the season. I wouldn't be surprised if someone did claim that st- third starter role. But it's kind of what we saw in that uh, that fourth game against San Diego, where Bochamp went out and he pitched four innings. And I think that's kind of what Lamonis expected from him because Bochamp wasn't wasn't doing awful. He he was pitching a good game, but you know, after four innings, he decided to go to bullpen. So, right. you know. That's my hot take. It's a hot take. I'm not. I'm not saying it's. A, it's not a cold take. It's not a lukewarm take. It's, it's a hot take for sure. Um, my hot take. I'm expecting a big. Are we talking about just Cincy now? We're, we're talking about this ten game stretch coming I guess up, right? Because we're not. I mean, we're not doing one I over mean, spring we're, break. We're gonna, be, we're gonna be. I don't know where you're gonna be doing. What are you doing for spring break? Where am I? I'm going home for spring, you're going break. Home for spring break. Back to All the right. region. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll send my regards from Florida for my <laughs> spring break plans. Um, but for this ten game stretch, this first stretch of home games, I'm looking for a big showing from Jeremy Houston. He's only batting. 176 right now. He started and played in all 11 games. Only six hits off of 34 at-bats. Only five RBIs for him this season. He's had a couple crucial strikeouts at bad times for the Hoosiers, I think, back to their first loss of the season. Against Oklahoma. Struck out with the bases loaded against Oklahoma in the sixth. He's been working his way back. This is his first you know, game action since 
struggling with a hamstring injury last year. And against kind of these lower opponents, um, I think that Jeremy Houston can have a big weekend, do wonders for his confidence. He's been solid in the field except for one or two mistimed throws, errors that have led to some runs, especially this past weekend against San Diego. But this may be a really good opportunity for Jeremy Houston to get back on track both on the field, at the plate, and just kind of sure up the bottom of that IU lineup. Yeah, and I mean, that's you know Houston's a guy that's usually playing or batting from the ninth spot, and he's got a 176 average. Right. Yeah, he's starting every game. So I think that shows you that Lamonis respects him as a player, knows what he's capable of. And, I mean, the shortstop is probably the most, in my opinion, the most position, most important position in the infield. So he has struggled a little bit in the field. He had three errors uh, in that last game against San Diego. That was just kind of a sloppy game overall. I mean, they had five errors in that game, and, somehow pulled off a pretty dominant victory so i don't know how that works i guess it shows you how well the pitching was doing but i'm looking also for houston to kind of turn it around here you know i'm not expecting him to go from 176 to a 600 hitter but you know I mean, he can, that's impossible that, yeah that I'm would be sure the really math, we're journalism students but the math is really hard <laughs> well, you're the one in the out. stats class so that, yeah, that's yeah. why i was expecting you to pitch in there shout out will coleman i i did get a five on the ap stats exam in okay high school, we can, though, so. we're not in high school i'm, I'm glad <laughs> we're reliving our high school glory days here <laughs> It's where we peaked. 34 on the ACT. But, saying. I mean, Houston, I mean, at least could get up to the 200 if he has yeah. a good 10-game stretch. So it's a good opportunity for him. It's a good opportunity for a lot of players. I mean, there's been 18 guys on this team who have at least gotten one at-bat this year. Right. So, I mean, a 10-game home stretch against some bad teams, you could see a lot of guys coming in and out of the lineup. And, you know, the bottom, order, the bottom third of the lineup is kind of still fluctuating aside from Jeremy Houston. Yeah. A lot of guys coming in and out, but – while we're talking about the bottom of the lineup, I want to mention Matt Gorski, who yeah, he's consistently batting in the seventh or eighth spot. And I mean, he's hitting 341. He started or he's played in all 11 games, started 10 of them. He's got let's see here, six RBIs, 14, 14 hits. hits. I mean, just all around has been producing. And in that last game, he played well for the team as well. So, I mean, the bottom part of the lineup is obviously producing because you can see Logan Kalita's got 12 RBIs. So, what have you seen from? the bottom of the lineup, especially Gorski, that you have liked? I mean, you're just getting consistency at both ends. You talk about, you know, a chance, a guy like Jeremy Houston who hasn't really pulled his way so far in the bottom of the lineup to start the season, but you're still getting guys like Matt Gorski who are stepping up and producing at all levels. There's not really a certain three-batter part of this IU lineup in which that you feel comfortable with as an opposing pitcher, which has got to be great a great feeling for Lamonis to have, knowing that whether it's your 7 through 9 or your four through seven or your four through six or your one through three or whatever there's not a three batter sequence in which the oppo- the opposition can take off mm-hmm. like take an inning off or get off the gas at all so that's got to be a good thing for them uh, just the consistency and the ability to have guys who can produce hits and not only just hits but we're talking doubles home runs run scoring hits um i kind of joked about this with some other people but i think that luke miller has been the king of the rbi ground down so far <laughs> to start the season he's gotten so many of them but it's just productive outs as well. And we've even seen some kind of small ball as well where I use bunting to move a guy over from first to second or second to third. We haven't seen them be too aggressive on the base paths yet this season, but we've seen a couple steals. And I would look for that to be something that comes out of this 10-game stretch as well, maybe putting guys in different situations and doing some situational type things to get them ready for later in the season. Yeah, you mentioned the base running. I want to note that that last game of the series, they had runners on the corners and pulled off a double steal. I mean, yeah. it, I think Lamonis has shown that he's willing to be risky at times to get that extra run, to get that advantage, because it, it could make a big impact down the stretch. 
and you can take that kind of risk knowing that not only IU has the ability to get pop and score runs in the lineup if they need to, but also the fact that you have faith in your bullpen to, okay, if you're up two runs, eighth inning, trying to squeeze out a third or a fourth run, even if it doesn't work out, you still have a two-run lead and you have confidence that your pitchers can hold up. Yeah, and I mean, going back to talking about the bottom of the lineup, I mean, it's it's been huge that players like Gorski have been able to step up because, I mean, Kalitha's playing well, and Luke Miller is, you know, he's bashing home runs, but is that, you know... His batting average, I guess, two sixty one. That's a decent batting average. That's but he solid. he he started off the year only hitting home. It was it seemed like home runner out for him. Right. So the top of the lineup was struggling a little bit. But you know, Matt Lloyd, we had mentioned him struggling earlier in the year. He's kind of turned around. He had, uh, I mean, to people that didn't watch the game on Sunday, he bashed a home run, a three run home run that kind of gave IU that momentum back and landed on top of an apartment complex, Manchester the, Manchester Village Apartments, Fowler Park in San Diego. It, I mean. From the moment he hit it, you knew it was going to be gone. It was just a matter of how far. I have I haven't seen any exact measurements. I saw it, that it went past the 450 sign. Yeah. So that's, I mean, we could say 460 at least. I mean, that's an indication of just how far he crushed it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he got and it was. I mean, first pitch he got the pitch that he was expecting and absolutely no bashed kidding. it. But a little bit of a turnaround from Lloyd uh, this weekend. He also picked up a save, I believe. Yep. So a good weekend from him, kind of turning around. And we had mentioned going against. Um, he, he struggled in that opening opening series in South Carolina and we said well it was tough opponents let's see if he can turn around with you know lesser quality opponents and he, he kind of has so can we ex- you think we can expect to see him improving here in this 10 game home stretch oh for sure yeah as I mentioned earlier guys like Feynman and Lloyd really coming into their own at the plate and especially now that they're going to be playing not the highest quality of opposition you'd expect for them to continue their progress in terms of getting into form for the season obviously you know first few games back going to be a little bit of rust but also, this is a chance for other guys. Maybe they're understudies. A guy like Wyatt Cross to get a couple starts at catcher and some chances in the order as well. One thing I do want to touch on, though, before we get out of this segment is the play of Logan Sowers. It's been a time of change in the IU outfield, bringing in a guy like Logan Kalitha. Obviously, Gorski's done a great job in left field, had a spectacular diving grab at the weekend against San Diego. But to see what Logan Sowers is doing both on the field and at the plate, Bad 375 has made all 11 starts this season, got 23 total bases, only two RBIs, but he's getting on base, got a nice slugging percentage as well. So he's provided a real good senior leadership from that outfield position. Yeah, I mean, he's provided a big role there in the middle of the lineup. I mean, having him, Dunham, who we'll touch on next, and Feynman there in the heart of the order, I mean, you know, after the fir- I mean, first you got Kalitha, Lloyd, and Miller. And then after that, you're thinking, all right, maybe it's time to slow down. No, now you got the three power guys coming up. You got Dunham, Feynman, and Sowers just ready to crush the ball. So, I mean, there's great players all throughout the lineup, and Sowers and Feynman there in the, in the heart of the order definitely, definitely played a huge role for IU in, in having a great offense so far this year. Yeah, you can't touch on that. There's not really a time where the opposition can slow down against this IU offense. That may be one of their biggest strengths. Yeah. So I, want, I wanted to touch up on Elijah Dunham, who – Coming into the season, Coach Lamonis was high on Scotty Bradley, who was injured last year. He was supposed to come in and be their consistent starting first baseman. And, I mean, Bradley's played five games, made five starts. He has a 200 batting average. Whereas Dunham, he's he's only started six games, but he's played in 10 and then coming into pinch hitting roles. And he's got a 400 batting average. He's got four doubles, three RBIs. So, I mean, what have you seen from Dunham this year? That's He's kind of taken over that first base role. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that has proven himself really dependable to start as well. I mean, talk about a guy who's only a freshman coming from Indiana out of Evansville. So he's a, a local kid, probably familiar with the program, knows what probably you know been recruited by IU for a few years going into it. But when you talk about taking advantage of an opportunity, he's done just that, you know, batting 410 hits, only in six starts. And 
we talk, you know, we talk about depth, you know, in the bottom of the order, depth at starting pitching, depth in the bullpen, depth wherever. This IU infield has so many options available to it as well. So he's going to have to keep up this level of play if he wants to maintain that spot. But he's proven himself capable so far the early, in the early start of the season. Yeah, I mean, definitely got to be excited for him to come in so early, make such an impact. And, you know, he hasn't even he hasn't even got to experience a home game yet. I right. mean, he's played 11 road games and. I mean, to do what he's been doing, to, he leads the team in batting average, batting 400. I, I'm assuming at some point that's going to go down. You would, you don't, you think he's going to bat 400 all year? Um, I mean, no, it, that'd be so hard. But you look at the sample size, it's much larger than any of the guys who, you know, one for one or something like that. I mean, having a 400 average consistently over six starts is pretty impressive, especially for a freshman, no less. You want to try uh, the four six three? All right, let's try the four six three. We can try the four six three. So, um, what is the four six three, Stefan? Well, the four six three, uh, Cam and I, in my opinion, I don't know if he agrees yet, are the second best double play duo here at IU. Forcing the nickname again. <laughs> Forcing uh, you it. had that's the best way for people to get it. <laughs> so we, we're going to do a little segment called the four six three, where we're going to give you four takeaways from the past series. Uh, six players that were key components in the last series, and then three moments that we felt kind of determined the way the series went. Cam, you want me to start? Yeah, sure, start. All right, so, so are you gonna? Do you want to run through all four? We're we gonna go back and forth on our four. You choose. Okay, let's go back and forth. All right, we'll go back and forth. So here's my first takeaway from the last series. Um, I think the starting pitching is starting to fix their issues. Stever played great. Um, Milto struggled, but Summer and Bochamp played well. So I think the starting pitching is kind of starting to come into shape. And if they can keep up what they did last weekend, my hot take might be wrong, that there might be an established third starter on the team. Okay, so I'll follow that up with a takeaway that I think IU is going to have an elite bullpen this year. You talk about you know what they're doing in the starting pitching, but I think compared to at least the rest of the Big Ten Conference, we're talking about a bullpen that could lead the conference in ERA, lead the conference in strikeouts and – just really be able to shut down opponents at the back end of a game. I think IU's going to have a tremendous record in one or two run games this season because of that bullpen, and that's going to end up being the difference in terms of seeding for the NCAA tournament as well. So I'm expecting a huge year out of the IU bullpen after three consecutive impressive non-conference weekends from them. Yeah. Uh, now transition to the second point. I think the errors, errors could start to hurt the team soon. They have 15 errors this year in 11 games. Uh, they had five in that last game against San Diego, so that's a little bit of an outlier to sway your average for the statistics fans out there. But 15 errors in 11 games is not ideal, considering not. considering they were one of the best defensive teams last year. So if if they don't clean that up, I could see it starting to hurt the team soon. Yeah, especially if you talk about they've only, they have only played a handful of actually close games where errors could affect the outcome of it, and especially mm -hmm. when you move into conference play and you get into these games where they're going to determine against you know the best of the best in the Big Ten, those errors could come back and really play a significant role. And my final takeaway from this past series, and I guess just non-conference play as a whole, is about Pauly Melto. We talk about how he had not the best start on Saturday afternoon against San Diego, allowing six runs, but he still got them through five innings. He still is 2-1 and one on the season, and IU still only came one run, one foot, maybe even one inch short <laughs> of tying that game and seeing if that win streak progressed. So I think as the season goes on, you're going to see a really dependable, workhorse kind of mentality around Pauly Milto, a guy that the staff is going to have to lean on, and if IU ever ends up in an elimination game scenario or a one-and-done scenario, Pauly Milto is going to be the guy that they throw on the mound. And honestly, looking back on that four-game series, the game that they lost, that Milto started, might be the 
the best game when Hayu looks back. I mean, yeah. Milto gave up six runs. That's your go-to guy. He gives up six runs, and you still almost find a way to come back. I mean, you got to be ha- regardless of the loss. You got to be happy with how that turned out because you're pretty confident that next time Milter goes out there, he'll be able to fix that right. and you'll be able to get that win. So merely Ayu, pulling that off has got to be exciting for the team. That's how almost wins the anomaly of the game from the series. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so that's our four. So that's the second baseman's role right there. And we'll flip it over to the shortstop for six players that um, we felt made a big impact. You want me to do three? You threw three? Yeah. All right. Um, Logan Kalitha, that's my guy. I feel like when he gets on base, when he's getting hits – Everyone, everyone through the lineup is just going on right after him. So I feel like he gives the team great momentum. Uh, Jonathan Stever, I think the fact that he was able to be be a respectable pitcher, I don't think he was dominant in that first game, but he played a great game. He went five and two-thirds and got the team in a position where they could win the game. So from what he, we saw in his first two starts compared to that last one, he finally picked up his first win. So I'll give him a, a player, a one of the six players of the weekend. And then I'll give it to Gorski. I mean, batting at that bottom of the lineup, he's creating opportunities where the guys in the tops, top of the lineup are going to have chances for oper- for runs batted in. So, I mean, yeah, I'll give it to Gorski. Great weekend from him. Yeah, I'll start with Matt Lloyd, a guy who was really had a tough time to start the season in South Carolina. Only got, I think, one hit and 11 at-bats during that opening tournament, the opening four-game tournament that IU played in has come on so strong of late, really beginning to flex his power as well. He's up to three home runs on the season, slugging percentage at 521. So he's really getting the numbers up, getting the consistency at the plate up. And obviously with that monster home run, that's going to be something. I think it was the first time since 2005 that someone's landed a ball on top of the apartments there in San Diego. So I'm telling you, Cam, you missed it. That was crazy. The new video board at Bart Kaufman, still in construction, won't be able to be used for Tuesday's game because it's just a bit ahead of schedule. The game is in mm. terms of the construction, especially with the bad weather expected to roll through town. But if he ever cranks one loose at Bart Kaufman, that scoreboard is in danger of getting hit, getting broken, <laughs> something. Yeah. Uh, shifting to the bullpen now, we had another solid weekend from Cal Kruger, a guy who's made six appearances this season, one save, still no runs allowed, no earned runs allowed, only five hits, ten strikeouts. He is being really consistent. And you talk about Matt Lloyd as a dominant closer as well as a feared hitter. Kyle Kruger is a premium eighth-inning guy for the Hoosiers to have to set him up. And finally, I'm going to go with Logan Sowers. I this, The IU off f- outfield could have been a problem for them this season. Obviously, Logan Kalith has come in as the JUCO transfer and played really well, giving them consistency. Matt Gorski, as you mentioned, has been great as well. But it's all tied together by the senior leadership provided by Sowers and the way that he's able to not only uh, – manipulate and operate the outfield from a fielding standpoint, but also I don't think anyone was expecting him to contribute this much in the middle of the order so early in the season. So Logan Sowers off to a great start in his final year with the Hoosiers. So that's the sixth there. That's the shortstop. So we've taken it from second base. We flipped it over to the shortstop. We got him out at second. Now we're going to throw it over to the first baseman to complete the double play <laughs> with our three, what we felt were the three most important moments of the weekend. So I'll go ahead and start off, and I'll say uh, – the Matt Lloyd home run, I mean, I ca- <laughs> I feel like I can't stress enough how far he hit that ball. I mean, it was crazy. Obviously, I've, I mean, I've watched MLB home run derbies. I've seen I've seen balls fly you know out of the stadium. But I know what a home run That's is. Good. But You've been watching the was... White Sox for too long enough. Maybe it, it, it went out <laughs> of the brain. <laughs> oh, man. The White Sox, they're going to turn it around soon. Just you wait. But Matt Lloyd's home run in game four, they were down one nothing, and he had a, that three-run bomb. And it's it kind of seemed like after that moment that IU would just kind of cruise from there. And they did. Um, I mean, they ended up giving up four runs in the game, so you can't say that his home run 
was the determining mm-hmm. factor because that only gave him three runs. But I feel like they just gained all the momentum after that, and I was pretty confident at that point that they'd be able to close out the win. So I'll give I'll give them a key moment of the weekend. I'm going to focus on the ending of that first game of the doubleheader on Saturday, the one in which the Hoosiers lost 6-5, to five, that play at the play with Logan Kalitha just barely called out. Chris Lamonis went out, you know, talked with the umpires, pleaded his case after the game. But at that point, the series was tied 1-1 to going into the nightcap on Saturday. And that was a chance where IU could have maybe buried their head in the sand, not wanting to come out for the night game, not come out with the right attitude, the right energy. And that could have really set the tone and altered the way the rest of the series went. But then IU comes out, they come out resilient, they go down 4-1 in that night game on Saturday, come back to win it 6-5, to come back out again on Sunday with a dominating win. So they could have had that entire series hinge on that one close play at the plate that didn't went their way, but they didn't. And that shows a real maturity about this team, especially for the number of freshmen and sophomores that we've seen produce so much for the team so far. Yeah, I like that you pointed out a lot of maturity from the team. It seems like they, I mean, they are a pretty experienced team when you look at it in, in respect to other teams, but they're very mature. And the way they handle themselves on the field, you know, from what we saw in San Diego, that's the only game we've been able to watch, only series we've been able to watch right. live. Um, I think they're they're just very mature. It's impressive to see. And then um, the third third moment, I think there was a lot of great moments in the second game of the doubleheader that you could say swayed the game in IU's favor. But I'm going to go with uh, an RBI triple Logan Kalitha had in the seventh inning. They were down 5-3. And, you know, in a deficit like that, when you're already in the seventh inning, you're just trying to – trying to lower the deficit and get yourself in a situation like what they had in the ninth inning to be able to close it out. I think his RBI triple in the seventh was huge. It got them within a run, and you know they were able to pull it off there at the end. So you kind of forget about those plays. You know, you think about the ninth inning, and you automatically start to think of you know the game-winning hits, but you forget those situations, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth inning that lead up to that that yeah. make the comeback possible. So I'll, I'll give Kalitha, my guy Kalitha, another mm-hmm. shout-out there. Um, so that's your four six three double play. Did we get it? Did we turn two? I think we turned two. I, think we turned I liked two. it. I liked it. Maybe we might be more efficient later in the year, but for the first <laughs> time, I I think that was that went well. It was um, a little. It was a little. It was a little hit and miss at some points. I mean, the the throw of the second was off. I mean, the first baseman had to step off for a second, but we got him out. The batter was slow, so we got yeah, lucky. We got we got lucky. We'll we'll improve. Just keep tuning in. We'll improve. Um, I guess, Cam, are you excited? I mean, baseball yeah. season's here. We got home it's games not, at Bart Kaufman. I mean, it's it baseball might, season. It's gonna be. A, 40 and snowing and gonna have flurries, <laughs> but yeah, it's baseball season. I think. I mean, the team. We, there's a good team this year. They're ranked top 25 in most of the major yeah. rankings. D1 uh, baseball moved them up from 17 to 14 earlier mm-hmm. in the day, so the Hoosiers are now, quote unquote, officially a top 15 team in the country. Yep. And this next run of 10 games at home should be a chance for them to fine tune any potential issues they have. And you know, give chances to guys who maybe haven't yet and just give people in Bloomington a chance to check them out, especially if you're spending in town over spring break. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a bummer that those those most of those home games are going to be over spring break. Not right. many students will yeah. be in town to come out. But, I mean, if you're in the Bloomington area, stop by and, you know, go to a baseball game at Bart Kaufman. I think it's a great team. It's going to be exciting. So, you know, take the time out of your day. And, I mean, the new video board coming in, right. a Friday Easy night. huge. Friday night on my massive. on my way back home on Friday night, um, it was it was late. Uh, my parents are gonna listen, so I'm not gonna tell them what time <laughs> it was. Um, shout out to my parents, great people, love them. But there, there was sunlight. It yeah, was, it was still daylight out. <laughs> but it it was late, and I noticed all the lights on at the baseball stadium, and I was like, what you know, what is going on at this time of the night? Why why are all the lights on at the baseball stadium? And sure enough, there was a guy out there working on the video board. Yeah. So they're trying to they're trying to get this done. 
you mentioned that they probably won't have it done for the first game tomorrow because you know that's not what they were planning on. Right. But I guess the video board is just part of the excitement that's to come this year. Part of the experience and part of I guess all the excitement that's gonna come with Indiana baseball off to a nine and two start, looking to build on that first home opener Tuesday three p.m. against Cincinnati. Probably not the best weather for it, but it's baseball we'll in the northern it. states. We'll it's take baseball's it. Baseball's back. By the, I mean, by the time we come back from from spring break, yeah, hopefully it'll be warmer. Um, we won't be. I mean, Big Ten play is pretty soon after that. Yeah, after this ten game set, the the Hoosiers will start Big Ten play in Iowa. That's a bit far off on the horizon mm-hmm. now, but for at least in the intermediate <laughs> time, it's a chance for Lamonis and company to get some quality wins, get some guys some action on the field, and you know return to life at home after having to play eleven straight road or non conference games. Yeah, and then after that three-game series with Iowa, we start the Indiana stretch where there's like nine, ten consecutive games that are played in the state of Indiana for IU. Right. I'm looking forward to that three-game series with Butler there at the end of March. Butler is off to a great start, as we, we were talking about before the podcast. They're 10-1. and one. They haven't played the toughest competition, but definitely a respectable record at 10-1. and one In baseball, you can go either way any time. So some some good games coming up here. Um, like I said, Bart Kaufman Stadium is going to have some exciting baseball coming here soon, and we will not be joining you for podcast next week we as not. Cam will be too busy, I'll be too busy on the, in Florida. I'm on so the sorry. beach. Um, Apologies. <laughs> but once again, thank you guys for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the podcast. We're always we're always up for recommendations. You can follow us on Twitter. Tell us what we need to do better, and follow us on Twitter for updates on all the games. And make sure you head over to idsnews.com and see what's going on with IU baseball. Um, from Cameron Drummond and for myself, Stefan Kaishink. Once again, thank you for tuning in.